quack, 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 I am your host, Adam Schmidt. And I'm Aaron Schroeder. I watch way too much Oregon Duck sports, and it kills my heart every single time. Can only imagine, brother. Yeah. Adam, what'd you watch I didn't this watch week? a damn thing this week. Mm, you didn't watch a damn thing this week. I don't blame you, man. Uh, this is the Quack 12 podcast. Uh, we are your hosts, as we said, Adam and Aaron here. Um, you know, I, I, I've we've been doing this podcast since the beginning of the Taggart era, and now we've done it <laughs> till the end of the Cristobal era. Era. Ain't it sad, my man? Ain't it sad? Okay, we'll get into that. Hold on, you buttoned up that yap. We'll get into that in a second. Before we do that, really quickly, just to rip off this band aid, I just want to say yes, both of our basketball programs suck as well. At least the women's basketball team, they have a reason. Uh, they are down some key players. Luckily, Niara Sabli has come back as of late, but they're down some key guards, including uh, India Rogers, um, and they're also down to Hina Pow Pow. They desperately need those guards. Um, they lost to UC Davis at home. They That broke a streak of 44 uh, wins against non-conference opponents. They right. uh, barely beat Portland, the Portland Pilots in Portland, 62 to 59. Uh, huge um, games. I don't. I don't know. Not huge games. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, um, I don't know. But huge disappointments. The huge basketball teams. <laughs> Big disappointments. I'll say with this: uh, the men's team. That is a disappointment. That is just like man. It sucks. They're not getting this together uh, against Arizona State. Again, a team that scored just twenty nine points against Washington State in their most recent loss. We lost to them. ASU. Wow. We lose to them at Matt Knight Arena in overtime, sixty nine to sixty seven. Frank Kepnong. Got to give credit to him. Uh, Rivaldo Soros, he was doing great. Uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, Will Richardson doesn't look like he he ain't no Peyton Pritchard. And it's hard to be a Peyton Pritchard, but uh, I mean, this team doesn't have one and they desperately need one. It's been a rough watch from both those teams. Now let's get back into the other depressing matter. <laughs> we no longer have. Now that we've coach. ripped off the Band-Aid, <laughs> let's shove a knife in the wound. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at the real uh, mortal wound here. You know... Uh, at least he's going to a dream job. It's the second dream job we've given a head coach. I know, I know, Aaron. What? Are, okay, let's get into your thought. What are your thoughts? What's your Florida the top of your is head? for losers? <laughs> Fact. Okay. That's the it. Only people who go to who willingly go to Florida. Yes, I have to question their <sighs> mental integrity. Okay, well there you go. There you have it. Super shots fired. Um, I like how last week you did call out, you know, Cristobal going to his mom, which we shouldn't, you know, he, pr I'm sure he did visit his mom. I'm At least sure he, he did. Visited his mom. I'm sure he did. He may I'm also sure talk his to ailing mother is just old and lives in Miami. Hey, we don't need to bring her into this. Uh, personally, <laughs> no I, point, my bad. I, I don't want to, it's nowhere close to as much shade as we used to throw at Tagger or anything. Like this is sure. a business. He, he handled it, uh, relatively well, as well as you can usually handle these kind of things i mean um it also helps yeah what, what were you about to say i was just gonna say of course he handled it well he's mm -hmm. walking into eight million dollars for years i'm pay. sure he's bummed i'm sure he's bummed too and i'm sure he's stoked as really well. a little bit bummed it I makes mean... <laughs> me it makes me recalculate yeah. one the reasoning behind uh the wide receiver who left Whose name? Oh, Michael Pittman. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I makes me reevaluate that. Him. It makes me okay. reevaluate him screaming at the fans to not be booing. 
Well, they shouldn't do it. <laughs> well, maybe they had a point. Okay. Just saying. All right. Um, I wish well, him the best, but uh, right now I'm miffed. So you know what? I'm going to say ludicrous things for the next <laughs> 35 to 45 minutes, and then I'll be mellow. That's cool. That's, absu- that's absolutely fine. Feel free to say ludicrous things. Look, you know, for me, this podcast is uh-huh. football therapy. Okay. I think for and I don't even watch is. football. <laughs> I, I feel like for most people, it's mindless dribble. And that's, that's all right, too. Um, I'll say this, man. Okay. Losing to Utah twice, like the way we did, and yeah. it was the exact same game. I mean, we can talk. We're going to talk about the Oregon Utah Pac-12 championship game because we haven't, and that's obviously something. Obviously, something you have to talk about. Yeah, but um, losing that mirror game just almost, you know, was it within three weeks? When I saw the score, I was like, "Wow, that's almost identical, right?" Dude, it was the same. You saw the game, even though you're not. You should have seen the game, but you saw the game, my man. Wow, uh, it was it was brutal. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it. Did we? Uh, have we're gonna zero- bring on a Wait, guest. We did, does. right? We had zero points at halftime. Yeah, no, dude, it was exactly the, wow. It felt a mirror image. I mean, not wow. exactly. Um, sure. In, in uh, certain ways, that would be weird. But I'll tell you this, man. Um, after losing to Utah twice in that fashion, it on it does at least make you go like, hmm, I'd like to see a mix up. Maybe I'm very sad to lose Cristobal, though. You sure. know what? Let's bring in another Duck fan. Let's not only in, a Duck fan. Let's bring in the Madman with a giant brain. The, uh, sure. I don't know if that. And a really that. hardcore computer. <laughs> We're talking about Hithliday of Addicted to Quack. Um, he is uh, their resident film reviewer. He does a great job over there. Um, you can read his articles, weekly articles, Duck Tape, uh, in which he breaks down the previous uh, game that the Ducks played and then their upcoming opponents. Uh, they're really detailed, um, just wonderful stuff. You got to check it out if you're a Duck fan looking for that. You know, like not a lot. Of, no one out there is putting together something like this. I'll tell you, right. especially for free. So, yeah, uh, check out Addicted to Quack, Duck Tape, bring in our guests, longtime Oregon Duck fan, Hithliday. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Hithliday, the number one, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, number one. Hithliday, Mario Cristobal is no longer the Oregon Ducks football coach. What, what are, I don't know, what, uh, what do you think of that? Well, I guess that's all I have to say. What, what are your first thoughts here? Well, Oregon got four years out of him. That's about all you're entitled to for from a coach. Uh, that sounds about right. Doesn't they it? extended yeah. him last year when Auburn came knocking um, and upped his buyout to, I think, about $9 million, which means Miami had to pay that out. So wow. Oregon is sitting on a chunk of change, you know, with which they can hire their next coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... Did anybody really think that Mario Cristobal was going to die on this job? You know, like uh, I, I yeah. expected him to at least do this next year because he did have such a good ride here. You'd think he'd want another big shot. Well, yeah, I, I guess I was sort of expecting another two years, and then you would go to sure. Miami simply because the the way things were playing out, twenty twenty one or excuse me, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three would both be title shot years, um, and you know it. I very much doubt that 2022 and 2023 will be title shot years for the university of Miami. And generally coaches don't walk away from title shot years. Um, 
So, you know, that's pretty unusual. Uh, and, and I will admit unexpected, but mm-hmm. is it a, like a catastrophic betrayal and I wish ill on him? Like, no, like, I don't feel nearly the same way that I do about Cristobal the way that I did feel about uh, Willie Taggart. You know, right, Adam was saying where that. you only got one year out of him. He was mm-hmm. pretty deceptive about it. Um, you know, le- left a lot of folks on the lurch. Like at least Cristobal uh, left enough days before early signing day that you know probably much of the class will be salvaged. Um, yeah, it's- and, and I think it's widely. I mean, it's just clear that it's like. This is like something that he believes with his heart, you know, because that he's doing it because mm-hmm. it's not just it's not a money thing. It's not like a uh, better chance at getting to the playoffs. I think objectively you can say like that. That isn't the case. It's because he has such ties to Miami that, you know, and it's like uh, Duck fans, anyone who's just like completely like can't understand that fact just imagine if you were a head coach as a diehard duck fan let's say you were coaching at miami had a good gig and then suddenly phil knight calls you home you know what i mean and even if it, let's say phil knight, uh u of o was knocked down a little bit where it is now like you would want to come some of you would want to come back and i think that clearly is what it is so it's a little less shady there I, honestly the way Miami's handling it it's like a tough situation he's walking into because like Aaron what they did with their like head coach was they basically said like uh you you chill like you go recruit and stuff like that but just know that like if Mario says yes your ass is fired so you just chill right there <laughs> and it's like and his re- I don't know it, it was a so I'm telling you dude Florida's fucked up <laughs> well, we've, we've always believed that here on uh, the Quack 12. Well, yeah, it, in a single day, uh, they spent something like 25 to $27 million uh, yeah. because nice. they had to pay Manny Diaz's buyout. They had to pay Mario Cristobal's buyout, and they have to pay the first year of Mario Cristobal's salary plus you know, whatever it is, the rest of the package, I think I forget exactly what the package is, but mm-hmm. you know, they've committed themselves to like probably another $27 million down the line. Um, mm-hmm. One way or another, whether they have to pay a buyout or they wind up just paying him to coach the team um, for the next several years. Uh, yeah. That's like, you know, that's a big swing, you know, and uh and it's probably coming from the fact that, you know, Miami boosters came into some money or more accurately, a certain Miami booster became a billionaire. <laughs> um, and and I guess the other thing that I would say is that the important thing for uh, for Oregon, specifically Rob Mullins, is do not overreact to the fact that he just hired two successive Florida coaches who went to their dream schools in Florida <laughs> and do the Michigan man thing and hire Justin Wilcox or some, yeah. uh, or Peter sermon or, uh, or, um, um Wilcox, man. or Thank Bill you. Musgrave or, <laughs> you know, or Mark I mean, Helfrich or, or, uh, Chip you know, Kelly is what people are saying. Chip and, Kelly, and not that he, like, feels like an organ. Don't hire at a sentimentality, you know, it's, like that's, that's my yeah. point. Like, I, I guess I, I, I'm always broken record on this podcast since I'm always counseling like patience and restraint and unemotionality, but like, look, man, do not hire, you know, d- don't do Michigan hiring Brady Hoke. Although actually, yeah, Brady Hoke as a hire may not be a terrible idea. Uh, I, it's gonna that's gonna be a hard sell for Doc. I know, but I know. he's been kind of yeah. kicking ass at San Diego State. That, uh, 
that is um, the funny although thing, they got man. embarrassed in their conference championship game mm-hmm. too anyway um the uh uh do not react to oh people keep leaving us let's get somebody who will never leave us like that is a yeah. mistake um i'm afraid uh that that's gonna happen i, I maybe well you know I guess Mullins hasn't really shown that to be his MO usually. I mean, I, I have a lot of faith in him, whoever he's going to choose. Uh, he's typically done really well, you know, both basketball. Uh, I think his, uh, I think his track record is really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly his track like, record it was a risk uh, to get like Cristobal really, yeah. you know, and it went great. But his, his track record also indicates that he is not, he he's not profligate you know like he's he he would not have done the jimbo fisher at texas a&m deal where yeah. it's like 75 million dollars guaranteed you could mm-hmm. never coach a game and we would still have to pay you 75 million dollars yeah. like he he's if you are worth it he will pay you the market rate for you know for what you command but he's not gonna let you put him over a barrel and, and, you know, commit to more than that. He's not going to do like a, a flashy, Oh my God number. Um, and also for anybody who's like, well, what about Phil Knight? Like, isn't he an unlimited reservoir of money? No, not really. Uh, or more specifically, Phil Knight contributes a, ungodly amount of money but it's all structural it's to facilities it's you know build a new you know practice facility or build a new office complex or build a law school library or you know etc build the academic center um Mm -hmm. for student athletes like it's not this coach you know that's just not that that's not the way that his giving is structured um so if anybody thinks that's an unlimited piggy bank for coaching that they should have rated like no that's not really available uh you know, I, I definitely gonna- think um you know it, it seems like it, it's you shouldn't i agree with you you should not go the route where it's like well we don't want someone who will just be here for four years it's like well what do they accomplish in those four years because that's all i really care about in in my opinion they should hire the best available coach on the market who is a an excellent recruiter and a manager personnel because the first thing that the new head coach will need to do is hire a new offensive coordinator and you know that requires you know serious evaluation they also definitely need to replace their you know they will also need to replace their quarterback's coach and as we saw all year long if your quarterback is not performing at a high level kind of the rest of what you're doing is not going to get you over the hump so you know uh, there are specific qualifications for the head coach that need to be sought after and if you and almost certainly those um abilities Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 you are a good recruiter and a good manager of personnel, and that you have good connections throughout the world of football, so that you can pull in you know good coaches, you can you know hold together a team, and that you're available to combine all of those things with someone who's like, Oh yeah, I want to kick my heels back and stay at the school for 10 years. So you don't have to go through this again uh, anytime soon. Like that, that's a unicorn man. That that, that person doesn't exist. Um, You hire the best person, you pay them what they're worth. And if you are, do not wish to break the bank in order to keep them in four years from now, when somebody else, you know, comes calling, uh, who is willing to break the bank, then you live with it and you go through this process again, going through this process is the job of the athletic director. You Rob Mullins is not a, a, a break glass in case of emergency person. His job is to have a list. His job is to be prepared for this each and every year. And 
to hire the best person for the job uh, and, 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 and hiring somebody who wants to stay on for 10 years, who's suboptimal for the job so that Rob Mullins doesn't have to do his job uh, yeah. and have his list ready to go is malpractice. So don't do it. So Moorhead is gone as well then? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a Akron's head coach. Oh no shit. Yep. yep. Wow, we just got completely dismantled. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Our our class is about to just fall apart, would be my mm. guess. Most likely. Uh, I, I don't I don't actually I don't think so. Kids think- tend to commit to schools, not coaches. Um everyone always predicts that when a coach leaves, and then it turns out it's like two or three kids. And that the, you know, for the most part, the 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 class hangs together. Moorhead is the more interesting one. You know, frankly, I've had a number of criticisms for him over the last two years, um, or mm-hmm. year and a half, because this first year was obviously pretty funky um and uh you know it's it's somewhat difficult to disentangle because i don't think he's had a a good quarterback um and his system is very much dependent on good you know quarterback play mm-hmm. um some of the stuff that was going wrong against utah uh in both of the games is not really his fault because he doesn't coach the offensive line and that's what the remember last week or the week before uh when i was talking about uh you know the incredible hulk version of utah that only yeah. comes out when they play oregon <laughs> You know, to be specific, the thing that they did in their two games against Oregon that they didn't do in their other, you know, 11 games that they played against teams not named Oregon um, was their defensive line was just completely, you know, wrecking Oregon's offensive line. And and by, you know, the, the flip side of the same coin, uh, Oregon's uh, offensive line in their 11 games against teams not named Utah. Mm-hmm. always had a pretty, you know, intrinsic advantage because their offensive line kicked ass and they could run the ball all day long. And But when they played Utah, it flipped around. You know, Utah's defensive line, which I'm not trying to, to smear or anything, you know, it's a good defensive line. It just wasn't doing this against any other team, you know, where they were just like every run play, they were in the backfield. Um, and, you know, I don't know why it is that Utah hulks out against Oregon. I don't know why it is that, you know... Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't have a good answer for you. I, I know that in both of these games, they changed up the way that their linebacker, well, actually in the, the game in between against Colorado, they changed up the way that their linebackers play. I was expecting Moorhead to come back around to the, that question, uh, Aaron. Uh, I was expecting Moorhead to be, have better game plan for this game. Hmm. And by about two drives in, I was like, oh, he's taking the Akron job and he's checked out um, <laughs> because he just really, he did not have, he had the exact same game plan that he did. And, and I mean, it, it's more than just that too. You know, there's also a bunch of like dumb shit where they're putting themselves behind the chairs. There's a bunch of bad snaps in this game, right? Like, you know, mirror ball isn't instructing, you know, Alex Forsyth to snap the ball, you know, like that. Joe Moorhead's definitely not responsible for that stuff either. There's a bunch of, you know, putting themselves behind the chain stuff. Uh, so, you know, there's complicating factors left and right. But what I can tell you from having watched the film is that it's the exact same game plan. Like there's no, there's, there's so no straight, you know, strategy, you know, every, almost every single game, you know, after every game, you know, when I write my article, I would write up like, here's the trick that Joe Moorhead pulled, you know, to beat this team. Like, here's this tendency that they're showing and here's how they're doing well against this certain play. But right. then, you know, he takes that and then he uses it against you like a judo master, you know, like, ha Um, And in both of the Utah games, it's just totally absent. Like there is no such you know, and it's not just there is no such thing. Um, 
he, there's not even an attempt at a thing. It's not like, you know, <laughs> or at least nothing that I can identify that's like, yeah. oh, this is his attempt to beat this tendency by Utah. This and, time he used And the, it just uh, didn't work, you know, like there was uh-huh. just an execution problem or something. I can't detect anything like any anything that's even an attempt. It's it's a pretty standard Joe Moorhead attack, which he knew didn't work against Utah the first time around. And then he didn't have anything else up his sleeve for the second time around. And I was like, Oh, it's because he didn't do it. He just didn't do his homework that week, you know, cause he's got, he's, this is speculation, obviously, sure. you know, uh, but you know, the, the speculation is that he's checked out cause he didn't come up with a unique game plan for, a conference championship game and um, maybe maybe mario Cristobal i mean honestly was... if joe moorhead didn't leave for akron my advice would have been to fire him for non-compliance with his contract like well, well I, maybe mario cristobal was checked out enough to not care that he checked out of the i mean i guess i i i have always felt like the in-game coaching stuff is massively mm-hmm. overblown it's like timeout usage which like that that always i don't get why people well it's it. it's you know we were talking the other day about how fans always jump to the last link in the chain mm-hmm. and want to talk about you know they want to talk about the one percent versus 1.25 percent at the very end of the game to the very end of the half or whatever and yeah. that all and and that's what you know timeout usage falls under that you know that bucket and I'm the structural person. I'm the one who wants to talk about what was the first play of the game, because the first <laughs> uh-huh. play of the game is the thing that, you know, dictates, you know, because it came first. It dictates everything else that comes after. Uh, and, you know, what I can tell you from the first, you know, play of the game on was like they didn't have a different, you know, they didn't have anything in place to correct for or to go in a different direction of the way that they on offense played the first time and uh, you know honestly if i didn't if i hadn't already heard the rumor that he was taking the the akron job i would have been on the floor because it's like everything that i knew about joe moorhead was that you know he would he would rise to the occasion and have you know this great new playbook and and like nope nothing (laughs) And, and well, I'm not kidding. I, I would have been like, nah, fuck this dude. Like, you know, give him, give him the boot. Um, yeah. And I don't think it's Mario Cristobal being checked out because necessarily because like the, you know, that's the, the head coach isn't doing anything. That's what the big thing that the college football fans have a really hard time with is that the head coach is not really doing anything on game day. The coordinators are running the show on game day. The head coach is in charge of the program the other six days out of the week and in personnel management and in roster management and in recruiting and running the off season and so forth. But like, you know, there are 12 days out of the 365 where he is not the most important person in the Oregon football program. And those are game days. Um, mm-hmm. So like, yeah, maybe he was checked out, but him being totally checked in wouldn't have changed the outcome of this game. Joe Moorhead being totally checked in might've changed the outcome of this game. Well, uh, yeah. 38 Five to 10. I had one final question. Let's see. Hey, I hope you have more questions, buddy. Nope. This is it for the rest of time. I'm okay. sure everyone is happier for it. All right. Um, it sounds like though, because you said kids are more drawn to the school, not the coaches. Do you feel like our recruiting is going to get any kind of a hit from this or no? I well depends on the hires. They right, it depends on who we end up getting as coaches, I guess. Yeah. They've basically well, uh, over the last uh 10 months uh the the staff has been assembling the 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 class of 2022 which due to the early signing day that was implemented a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, early signing days and a co- is a couple of days from now 
it's now in December. Um, it has been the case that most kids signed on early signing day. Frankly, early signing day has probably been a mistake. Um, the NCAA seems to have really miscalculated about uh, what it was for. But yeah. anyway, um, the kids tend to sign with a school that, you know, there are some kids who want to follow the coach. Um, but for the most part, kids have made the decision. The, the kid who committed to Oregon in May of 2021 is not changing his decision three days before signing day. You know, right. like he made the decision to go to Oregon. He didn't make the decision to play for Mario Cristobal, like Mario Cristobal is part of it, obviously. But like, mm -hmm. you know, that in the back of every recruit's mind is the notion that like, hey, the coach could get hit by his bus. You know, like the University of Oregon is not going to get hit by a bus. You know, like the institution remains. In the right. in like every season, there are rumors specifically about Mario Cristobal that we right. him here. So like, yeah, but like every that. season that you know, it it can happen to any coach at any time, right? Any coach at any time can be fired. Uh, could do something untoward to another human being in their personal life and be could dismissed. Bail for a new job, yeah. could you know, or could be hit by a bus or a meteor or a stroke of lightning. You know, like, it is it, it is just odd though that it seems like this year. It's every coach. Well, there's a, mm -hmm. the coaching carousel is packed this year, so, or at least yeah, some, it seems like it's, it's been cool. It's uh, at it's ones, at the, it's yeah. at a high level, a higher yeah. level. I think it's really just a hangover effect from the COVID. Um, that could be sure. a lot of sense. Okay, because there were probably sense. because you know every year X number of coaches get fired. Um, right. It's just you know it's just what happens. Um, and in COVID, you know, in 2020, because of COVID, nobody had any money. Um, you know, probably what happened was a bunch of coaches who would otherwise would have been fired in 2020 didn't. Right. And then 2021 then got a bumper crop of them because it was just delayed firings from 2020. Mm. Totally. Well, totally. I will say this, Aaron. So we did have like a, a five star offensive tackle. I believe our number one recruit of the class. He right. He decommitted, for example. So maybe some of the like highest ones. The elites so who want to be after. like, I want to go to a national championship some or of them, whatever. And, and each each recruit is a beautiful snowflake. Like it's so well, different. But the five the stars are the snowflakiest yeah. of the snowflakes. Right? The most there's only, well, there's yeah. only 32 of them in the entire country. Like, the, let me yeah. just pitch it like this to all the young ones out there listening to this episode who are wanting to get into the football program at Oregon State at Oregon Nike or Oregon State sponsorship <laughs> Oregon State LOL <laughs> you called us Oregon State my man yeah you're, this no, is no, why no. you're not on the coaching staff I know never mind I tried what to team we followed <laughs> oh my oh, my man um anyway so I don't know how much like this Pac-12 championship game will forever just be erased in Oregon history is what it wow. feels like. Because who's going to like <laughs> when you talk about this game immediately, you're going to be talking about like, yep. And then that was the one, you know, like Cristobal was out the door shortly after that. And I don't wow, think there's a gonna... game is just already spoiled as well. Well, well the funny really... thing is that the bowl yeah. game is against Oklahoma. The other great victim of, <laughs> of yeah. coaches bailing on them like Aaron there's a lot of drama here okay and you know this is what we're all here for okay so we're going against Oklahoma so of of course um uh 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 oh my god can you help me uh Lincoln Riley Lincoln Riley goes from Oklahoma to USC right. sends right. shock waves throughout everything right right um that's a big get so they now no longer have their head coach their interim head coach is um Bob Stoops and man he so 
we he coached against us actually a couple of times. Uh, this is back when Adrian Peterson was on like Oklahoma and stuff like that. I believe the total record is um we we've played each other seven times. They've beaten us. They beat us six times in a row. Five of those times were were in Norman, Oklahoma. So you know whatever. Sure. But uh, and they have if you go on Wikipedia, like anything that kind of that they compare against each other, like how many Heisman's, how many national championships, how many first round drafts, like every single one of those things they have, they're beating us in that. You know, a very prestigious cool. program. Great. In two thousand six. Uh, we beat them 34 to 33, but it took some, well, it took, it took a bunch of big plays, a bunch of good plays from the ducks. And there happened to be one play that was a little screwy. It was an onside kick. Maybe it shouldn't have gone our way technically, (laughs) technically, but the refs, there's a little bit of pac 12 magic in that ball. I guess it wasn't the pac 12 at that point. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's 10, controversial yeah. because an Oklahoma player at the end of the play is standing up with the ball. Although that, of course, is not dispositive because if an Oregon player is on the ball and possessing it while down, then the play is over. And if it's ripped out from his gut while he's mm-hmm. on the ground right. after the play is over, then that's meaningless. And the quality of the film is not adequate in order to determine, you know, what the hell happened. And it's not Perfect. like the refs have ever explained themselves. The only yeah. thing that that exists is a <laughs> an Oklahoma player standing there with the ball in his hand, you know, as though that proves something. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not trying to say, you know, oh, no, I know that the play was definitely correct. Just that, like, this is one of these things that goes down in football lore, mm-hmm. but no one ever really bothers to investigate these things. And, so, so basically, because of that, though, uh, it enabled us to basically, uh, uh, we win this game. We scored like two touchdowns in like uh, last like couple of minutes to like rally back and win it. Oh, we also had to like block a, a field goal. Um, we beat Adrian Peterson, Seattle Seahawks own Adrian <laughs> Peterson. Uh, and yeah, Jonathan congratulations. Stewart, us. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Stewart versus Adrian Peterson. That's pretty. That's uh, it's not going to do anything there. That's amazing. I love John. Well, um, it, it's another example of fans obsessing about a single play, right? Like, yeah, you know, if you look at the, you know, look at the box score in that game. It's not like, you know, Oklahoma mm-hmm. played a dramatically better game than Oregon or anything. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Ducks and it's not like recovering the onside yeah. kick causes the game to be over. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, you know, Oklahoma, if you didn't want to lose the game, stop the Ducks, you know, or score another touchdown, you know, right? Like, it's not like it's not like football has a rule where if you recover an onside kick, it's automatically worth 50 points and the game is over. You know, like it's not catching the golden snitch. No, there's there's 149 other plays in the football game, you know. Uh, yeah, Ducks had 506 yards in that game. Uh, Oklahoma was limited to 381. So not that that's saying everything, but clearly they could have prevented some of that. Uh, so anyways, this this huge, you know, so that coach is back uh, and he's the interim head coach. You know, he, he apparently he didn't want to take money, but he was they were like, no, here. And apparently some people want Mike Bellotti to come back who was Oregon's head coach at that point. I mean, the symmetry of it is kind of appealing. Wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine that roster them being as excited as Duck fan base for Mike Pilotti being like some, you know, (laughs) like it's been a little while since he's been out there, but uh, it sounds like Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. I would support it if Mike Pilotti regrew the mustache. 
Yeah. Oh, he'd have to. He'd I have believe to. he was still rocking the mustache Does for that game. It? Does he not have he, it right now? He shaved it on. Well, he grew a beard uh, for retirement and then he shaved it and he's been pretty clean shaven ever since. Like he was at the Cal game for his, um, which I attended in person uh, because he was being honored be, for being inducted into the college football hall of fame. He was clean shaven at that game. Um, yeah. And it actually looks like we do have an interim head coach. Uh, Brian McClendon will be. Mm the internet coach so hmm. there you go not as fun as mike blotty would have been way more fun i still say we it should is just it is interesting that they went with the one mac it's really interesting you think so like yeah. uh hmm, well i'm see. surprised it wasn't deruder because you know he has had coaching experience i i i it seems like because like clinton has been a, a pretty great recruiter there maybe that's a bit yeah, it like could be for that reason. The more liked person or something like that. Or, and it's also like, who the hell cares about this? I will say this. Um, there was this awkward moment, Aaron, during the like Alamo Bowl, uh, like when it was just released, like Oregon versus Oklahoma, you know, um, they had to get both coaches in there to talk. And it, it is just kind of the cookie cutter stuff. That's not very interesting, especially because they didn't allow any Q and a from like actual reporters because they knew at the time, Cristobal, you know, was still on the fence. And right. so they knew all the questions were just going to be, Hey, are you going to be coaching right. this game? Like, are you, should you even be here? Um, and so they only had a moderator from the Pac-12 or whatever it was, probably Alamobile moderator. And um, but at the end, Stoops did get in this little jab where he was just all like, all right, well, good luck on the recruiting trail <laughs> like to Mario Cristobal. Because like he's out there recruiting at a time when it's like, you know, it seems like he was likely going to Miami. But either way, there is some controversy. I don't know. I thought that was a funny moment. Hmm. This bowl game, um, I think uh, it doesn't matter to me at all. I'm totally going to watch it. I'm curious what the hell is going to happen. It may be really entertaining. I was say, do you think there? we have a trash fire on our hands? I mean, not as a program. I mean, it depends on who we hire, honestly. But um, I, I think we're fi- we got so much talent. We're a great school. We're the Oregon Ducks. We're the greatest college football team on is, the planet. So there's that. Yeah. Is Thibodeau going to play? No, he ain't, and he shouldn't. Get the hell out! No, is Sewell going to play? Is who? Sewell. Oh, uh, as far as I, I mean, yeah, I would assume so. Uh, but as far as we know, Thibodeau is the only one sitting out. Um, we'll we'll see what happens. Whoever oh, wants besides to all play, the other dudes who are injured, like CJ yeah. Bell and Bennett Williams, and like you know all the yeah. ridiculous injuries that were going to suffer all year long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on it, whoever wants to play, I'm going to be glad as hell you're there. I hope you win. I- uh, I mean, whatever. you're right that it's a curiosity in an exhibition game, but all mm-hmm. bowl games are curiosities in exhibition games. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, I I have every all twelve games that Oklahoma played. I will do film study on them. I will. That'll be kind of fun, right? Preview article. Be, are you excited? Well, for that? Okay, but they're all just for fun, right? This is a game, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> right. It's a game played by kids for our entertainment. Yeah. And it still like, means so much for next season. No, right? it means to see nothing. More. No, no, it's no. A game. <laughs> Like for my you. kids for our entertainment for you though uh, as far as uh really looking into next season's roster this game still seems like it could mean quite a bit right with a month of healing uh, 
it, some people out it, there. It, it would be interesting if they really leaned into remember during 2020 and every time we interviewed anybody and my, you know, mantra was go ahead, suck shit. Like this is yeah. the time to do it. Right. Uh, you know, pr- play your freshman, get your tape on them. Like it would yeah. be interesting if they leaned into it and they were like, well, I mean, the, the most notable example is I don't think there's a good reason to play Anthony Brown in this game. Um, Jesus, dude, if they don't want an actual, like like i don't know duck riot they need to not play anthony brown because why what happened what what? no 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 no. first of all Aaron, it's it's like nothing against him as a person all right but it's just like at this point he will not be the quarterback next season right it hurts your program to have him play in this fucking game does it? There, it truly to start and play the whole thing instead of valuable, valuable, even though it's a pointless garbage, you know, especially a garbage bowl game. Who cares about this? But like it's precious time for whoever is probably going to be the quarterback at Oregon next season. It's like you need to see the other quarterbacks. Come on. And and maybe I don't know. Otherwise, it's just like it seems like we're in such a bad problem that uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm speaking for a lot of the fan bases. Maybe it's it's more logical than than I'm making it say uh, sound here. But it's just it'd be lovely to see a different quarterback than Anthony Brown out there, even if he just freaking blows. Like honestly, and, and is your position on this because then that other quarterback will get extra practice time? Pra- practice time, season? absolutely. It it'd well, be like yeah, that's it. it I mean. Yeah, this, I'm probably being overly literal here, but they get the same practice time no matter yeah. what in terms of the 15 extra practices that they get. It's that they'll have live game experience against a mm-hmm. credible opponent. Um, it, and you know, it may be different where it's like if you go in it with the mentality of, you know, Ty Thompson, you are starting in a bowl game. Right. So it's you more know. of a litmus test of how is this kid going to handle it when we put him in the front next year. Right. I mean, that's the the important thing is getting the film. Um, sure. You know, live game film is very, very, very valuable. valuable. And okay. it's not just the quarterback. There are other positions as well in which, you know, Oregon has sort of been, you know, holding back some fairly talented, you know, very young players. Um, and now be you know in an exhibition game that means absolutely nothing you know now be pretty good time to throw him in like for example mikhail wright the cornerback um i expect him to go to the nfl uh if i were uh the interim head coach for oregon i i don't know what he what he's done i may have missed a tweet um somewhere but like i would say to him if you're going to declare for the nfl you should declare right now and not play in the bowl game because we want to play some of these other corners. Um, Mm -hmm. And we don't want to like disrespect you by not playing you. But like, if you know, we would rather get the experience and the, the tape on the kiddos than you know, Mm -hmm. we already know that you're a great cornerback, Mikhail. Now, if you're going to come back and and play for the ducks, you know, yeah. All right. Hell yeah. More game experience for you. But if you're going to go to the NFL, then don't, you know, because NFL recruiters don't give a shit about the bowl games, right? They've, they got, they've got all the data that they need. Right. They, 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 yeah. they don't, you know, the, whether you play 13 games or we play 14 games in 2021, plus, it's, you know, he was playing in 2019 and 2020 as well. They've got all the film they need on the guy. And, uh, and if you have your best game of the season, like, it, it's only maybe a tick up 
if that right. in that right. bowl, like it's because it's just it's one you know fucking bowl game at the end of the season. Right. Exactly. Well, hell, it's it's. I mean, like I, I'd much rather also see what? like Damon what? David, you know, the 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 yeah. freshman safety, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I the, the, eh, there's a couple other positions. You know, Oregon's actually been pretty good about playing freshmen. Like for example, they've been playing the 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 both of the freshman tight ends all year long. That's right. Um, and they look great. Honestly. They've been playing freshmen on the offensive line. Um, although I, I, you know, I'd like to see a little more of those guys. You know, they're you know they they've been playing freshmen. You know, Cardwell and McGee uh, at running right. back. They've been playing you know Thornton and Franklin. Uh, you know, at wide receiver. You know, there's been a lot of you know freshman experience, but this is an opportunity to get more freshmen. You know, more experience now that you know there's absolutely nothing on the line. Like uh, speaking of the offensive line, hit the day. Um, and, and you know, I imagine one of these days, maybe real soon here you're going to be talking to some miami talking head about you know what should we expect from cristobal and stuff like that uh when you get to the offensive line and you know really what he's done here having so many like changing parts um so many uh i don't know like high-rated people up there and stuff like that do you would you rather have had him just lock down like start and i know he hasn't done this every season some seasons more than others but do you think this great crystal ball offensive line experiment like has worked at oregon or is it still not enough data <sighs> it's i i mean i have the data that i have mm. a full season's worth of of data is usually good enough to to say you know some certain you know certain things and the things are that when they play teams that aren't named utah um, the offensive line has done much better, way better than it would have been predicted by the conventional wisdom of you play the same five guys every snap. Um, it, I've also noticed when watching other football teams, Oregon's not alone in doing it. Oregon does this rotation stuff more than anybody else, but like almost every team that I've watched this year has been doing some planned rotation at at least one spot. Um, so, you know, it may be that the conventional wisdom is crumbling here and that Oregon was just on the, the, you know, the cutting edge of it. Um, I, I guess I would put it this way. I I don't see any evidence that it has not worked. Um, the only evidence, you know, that we have is basically playing the same team twice who did the same thing. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's highly anomalous because, it's, you know, Oregon's offensive line performs dramatically worse than they did all year long. And Utah's d- defensive line performs dramatically better than they did all uh, season long. Um, uh, you know, that probably has more to do with matchups and schematics and sort of game circumstances stuff you know what's on the line and who's got motivation and blah 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 i don't really like to talk about that sort of stuff um i don't have any you know i don't have any systematic data to indicate that the the the, the offensive line rotation has been a problem i do have a lot of systematic data to indicate that it's been a benefit and i got one more thing that uh you know other uh miami fans i'm sure would want to know and other duck fans would definitely say this is a crystal ball trait and it is a negative one um like the quarterback at position at oregon uh under crystal ball i will not say has been bad but some people would say has felt like almost limited i think a lot of people would judge that just because it's like look Herbert's one of the best QBs in the NFL. He looks pretty dang good at Oregon as well. Got us to a Rose Bowl, won a Rose Bowl, you know. But a lot of people um, would say that 
He did not develop quarterbacks well. He didn't fully use, utilize quarterbacks very well. Um, how would you say, uh, what are your thoughts with that position under Cristobal since he's been here? I mean, Mario Cristobal is not a quarterbacks coach, you know. That's true. Yeah. He, so I guess, you know, I generally think the Mario Cristobal was an offensive lineman thing is an overstated and kind of ridiculous and reductive and like in a weird way, kind of bigoted, you know, like there's lots of commentators who are like, well, you played this position in high school or in college. And so therefore I know everything that I need to know about you. And it's <laughs> yeah. sort of like, I'm not saying that that is racism, but I mean, it's yeah. cousins to. <laughs> well, to, to you know, but anyway, he's look, clearly the CEO aspect of of him but, as a coach. But is here's the thing: best. is yeah. that your offensive coordinator is usually your quarterbacks coach, and he's had two of them. He's you know at Oregon, he had Marcus Arroyo, and he had Joe Moorhead. Um, and you know, in terms of the play calling ups and downs, in terms of you know those guys as quarterbacks coaches, I think you can look at their history and just be like, I actually don't think either of those guys are very good quarterbacks coaches. Um, I actually would sort of like to see that that be another tradition that Oregon breaks and and hire a separate like Oregon State, for example. I am correctly using Oregon State this time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aaron's State been quiet that. because he's in the in a shame like cone right now. There's a couple of schools uh, that do it, and I think it's probably a, you know a better idea, frankly, to to have your a dedicated quarterbacks coach is probably the yeah. most important position coach. Um, for a second, we had a dude, David. David Yost. Yes, that's right. He was not the play caller, but he was a dedicated quarterbacks coach. Um, For like one season, yeah. Yes, uh, and not a very good one, but he was Justin Herbert's first quarterback coach um, in college anyway. Uh, And Herbert made sure to get a different one, it sounds like, like after college, in between that and the NFL. Well, that's the other thing about quarterbacks in the modern era is they all have private coaches too. Um, mm. I mean, honestly, there's probably not a lot that a quarterback's coach is doing to move the needle, uh, you know, by the time that their dudes are actually playing. Um, it seems like, like so much of it is luck, too. Well, it's know? innate and in what, you know, and what is or, or I mean, like is a program having like whatever. good quarterback success or something like that, because sometimes everything could be pointed. I mean, honestly, like, I think the only way to do it is the way that Ohio State and a couple other blue bloods have been doing it, which is like, well, we just have five five stars <laughs> exactly. and one of them will work out yeah um and and our fan base will still shit on whoever wins because he like missed a throw in one key game yeah sure I, but i mean <laughs> in my opinion most of quarterbacking is probably innate and probably not really teachable i mean there are teachable skills and you need and for those skills you need to have a good coach to teach those skills but the mm. stuff that separates the, you know the good from the great and the great from the elite is probably innate uncoachable stuff that is just dumb flipping luck whether or not a dude has it or he doesn't and probably the only way to to deal with that is to take the law of averages at face value and say well that means i need to have five high potential dudes you know and one of them work out and the rest of them will hit the transfer portal like um it's just how how it goes um and, and so like this sort of pattern at oregon over the last couple of years where like each new quarterback's like well this guy will be the savior you know <laughs> this like how many different quarterbacks at oregon have you been like well this guy will be the savior and you know you you should probably just have a really full state 
stable, you know, and, yeah. and just played against the odds. Um, that, that, you it was know. definitely, definitely Herbert, you know, had that big play VA was absolutely playing with that vibe, you know? Um, and, and if only we had a little better quarterback this season, but whatever. Um, Oregon, Utah, Pac-12 championship game. I certainly don't want to talk about this thing. I don't got well, yeah, the, the only other thing that's worth talking about is that like mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not that mad at Deruder. Um, I'm a little mad at Deruder, but they stopped the run very well, actually. They did a very good job stopping the run. They couldn't stop, you know, the passes to the tight end over the middle of the field, but we knew they weren't going to be able to do that because of all this, you know, you know, they don't have Bennett Williams. They don't have Justin Flo. Yes. They are playing, you know, backups and walk-ons and freshmen. And, you know, Utah's just built to exploit that. And, you know, I don't really think it's Druder's fault. I think the Druder scheme did about as good of a job as it could have in the circumstances, you know, to deal with that kind of offense with the personnel that it had and, you know, gave, gave the Oregon offense enough chances, you know, to, to perform well and Mm -hmm. to take over their side of the ball. And it really just comes down to total offensive failure. You know, yes, they, you know, the defense gave up whatever it was, 38 points. Uh, It's, you know, the, the defense, all things considered did, did their jobs about as well as you could expect. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and Hey, Aaron, any, any thoughts here on, on the end of the Cristobal era as, as ducks, you've known Cristobal as your coach more than any other coach. Cause you're you know, and I, j- it, it wasn't until Hithliday said how long he was our coach that I realized that. And I went, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no, no. Okay. Well, there I you think, go. You know, the, the more, the more time I spend in this realm, the more I realize the whole thing is just business. Oh yeah. So like why ever get invested too deeply in business you have no control over. Hey, there you go. I mean, I'll tell you this. Um, I am very sad to see him go. I wish he was staying here. A part of me, just entertainment value, is like, oh man, I wonder what the hell is gonna happen next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll say I expected another year because I assumed he was gonna be jazzed about getting one more shot well, with yeah. an even stronger recruiting class, theoretically. With these recruits that he's getting like I did expect a so couple of years because it just seemed like he was gonna potentially have a real good shot at at least making the playoffs you yeah know, with these with these there was players he's got. there was an episode somewhere maybe it was even last year or earlier in this season mm-hmm. that Hitler day brought up that the programs that like Moorhead put in that takes like four or five years Oh, well, well, now we've just hit the end of those four or five years. So now we're just going to be rebooting, rebuilding a program. Oh, you mean with Chris we'll Paul? Where we're at uh, in four or five years. It's yeah. an offense. Usually, it really hits its stride in the second year. Second year, okay. When that because that's schematic. That's about installing the playbook and and so forth. Um, and you know you have to have enough practices and to, uh, in terms of a head coach and like a new approach to recruiting, like it's usually year you know four. Now you. You sort of have to put an asterisk because of COVID, you know, COVID puts a big, you know, monkey wrench in things, but like, 
think about it this way. It, you know, let's say in 2223, um, you know, uh, under let's say that, you know, whatever happened in Miami didn't happen and Cristobal stays at Oregon. And in 22 and 23, he makes the playoffs, um, you know, maybe plays for a national championship once, hell, maybe wins it, you know, but regardless, it's a it is a national uh, championship caliber team, whether it actually, you know, pulls it off or not, you know, who knows. Nick Saban retires. And it's now, you know, the, the 20, the 23 slash 24 off season. It's December of 2023. Um, it is rampant. Continue. Uh, Nick Saban has retired. Alabama says, you know, Mario Cristobal, we want you to take over, you know, the premier program in college football to follow a living legend. We think that you're, you know, capable of doing that. Uh, and that we're going to pay you a hundred million dollars. No questions asked to do it. Uh, I feel like, a, he would take the job, and B, every Oregon fan would be like, okay. Oh, you yeah. Know, sad to see Ugly. it go, but okay. That's exactly everyone's thinking. It's just it's just the national championship I give a shit about. I do right. not care about the coaching the, staff. The I just want the thing, one that'll get us there. Like, I think that everybody is sort of emotionally prepared, you know, for like, yeah, that kind of like six-year stint with, you know, COVID sort of making a weird bridge in the middle of it or like a donut hole in the middle. Uh, it's just, it feels like he left about a year or so earlier than you expected due to sort of the unique circumstance, right. you know, in Miami. And the, like I was saying at the beginning, the important thing is you do not respond programmatically to unique individual and non-replicable circumstances. That is a mistake. Let's see. Well, and it does yeah. seem like we have a, you know, the school seems like it's in a good spot where we're going to get a pretty reputable coach to come yeah. in right yeah it should be i mean it's late in the cycle at this point um it's not like they're gonna get brian kelly and you know it's not like they're gonna get lincoln riley you know mm -hmm. yeah. um but you know yeah like we were saying earlier the institution remains you know right. like the the, so, the 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 brand is there the facilities are there the roster is there the roster is there, there roster the looks pretty solid. Is there yeah you know uh, and from you know a fan or emotional standpoint what am i gonna not be an oregon fan you know yeah what am I going to mean, do? I'm not not right about Oregon's <laughs> opponents, you know, like, you know, who whoever it is that they hire, like, if they hire a, if they go against my advice and hire Justin Wilcox, wh what am I going to do? Like boycott being an Oregon fan, you know? I'm I'm not going to preview any of Oregon's games because that bum Justin Wilcox is coaching. And I don't <laughs> think they should have hired him. No, of course not. Uh, you know. Yeah. No. The at least institution remains. Yeah, I'm watching anything. I'm I'm down for anything, man. Let's I mean, this is it. what Berez said, you know, about like embracing the cold walls of the state. Like, you know, it, it is an institution, and what college football has tricked all of us into doing is to into loving an institution. Uh, Boom! That's exactly my point about the business it, thing. I was it, like, it's yeah, it, it is an, invested in business. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's an insane you know position to to be in, and the only thing you can do is is you know you know as Foucault said, you know, like acknowledge and move through the insanity, like. Uh, you know, if you know that you've been tricked into loving an institution, at the very least you can do is understand the institution is it is not a human being does not love you back. Like it's love language is different than your love language. Um, right. You know, it wants your money and your attention, you know, <laughs> and yep. in some extent you give it to it and it rewards you with exciting football. Like, you right. know, well, guess what? It's never going to get my money. You hear that student loans. All right. Mm. Let's talk about the 11, uh, 11 schools that we do not love that. We in fact hate. I'll straight up say that. All we right. Hate them all. The, the whole 
bottom 11. That's right. Bottom 11, uh, pretty thin this time because there was only one game. And we just talked about one. So there you go, actually. Uh, Oregon, Utah, blah, blah, blah. Let's forget that game forever. And then we had USC versus Cal. Did you stay up and watch this game? I did watch it. I I mean, I was not paying attention that much. I was at this point being like, why do I like college football? Why do I put my heart into this into this basket that every season just gets like destroyed? Um, but I did watch this game <laughs> and there are some people there, surprisingly, not many, but uh and Cal won it. Cal won it. I mean it was uh, nuts. I, it, it was it was a pretty I don't know they they took control ish uh, they they got the fumble I saw that one uh, that's something I retained and they kind of just like stiff armed USC for a lot of it and uh, no I the thought- insane thing was Chase Garbers went off like, yeah that's right yeah Chase Garbers was eighteen for twenty one <laughs> yeah Dang. he he passed for eight point four yards uh per per attempt like mm-hmm. I, I I mean it was uh. It, I, it, you know, their their ground game really wasn't getting anything, you know, done at all. But like Chase Garber is just like, oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm finally gonna be the quarterback. Like, I love it. Uh, weird time to do it, but sure. Now they are officially five and seven. Good job. <laughs> uh, it was cool. I liked it. Um, future head coach Justin Wilcox gets the win over USC. Uh, and I, I thought maybe USC would have a little more juice in their step because of the Lincoln Riley news, but uh, apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Um, so automatically we're going straight into the next one then. That is right. The picks, not that many to tell you the truth this go around. Um, the great pick'em challenge, Aaron and I going back and forth. Now, here we go. Uh, did you pick Utah? I picked Utah. You I did? absolutely picked Utah. Yeah, because I w- I figured we would lose, and I figured I'd go against you. News right. easy as hell. Um, yeah, so I went against uh, Utah, USC, Oregon, California. That's how it went. Pretty easy to see the results here. Boom and boom. Stalemate. Yeah, not that big of a deal. Uh, which means the totals didn't change all that much either. Adam at 48 points, Aaron at 54. I mean, this episode truly shows off how little I know about the team, the game in general. Yeah. (laughs) And yet here I am. Well, here we go. As we said before, bowl games are going to be worth two points each. Uh, we got six bowl games. We're not picking this week. That's next right. week is going to be all a bowl game bonanza. It's going to be going to be a pick them special. Absolutely. Pick them special. It's going to be very fun. Hopefully I can uh, choose enough to get this comeback victory here. Did you say bowl nanza? Bull, uh, I did say bull manza. I guess I should say bold nanza is what I was going for. Yeah. Bull, bull mania. Bull. It's a bull mania and a bull nanza combined. A bull manza. Um, <laughs> But instead, I thought we'd do a different pick. This does not go towards our totals. I thought we'd see if we can really test your, uh, you know, your crazy, uh, scary, esoteric ways that you can just pull all these right choices out of your butt here. Even though you're not paying attention to college football landscape or even the Ducks, really, all that much. You still are really good at predicting these things. So, Aaron, I know you don't know any of these names. Most likely. But here we go. Uh, this graphic brought to you by 247 Sports because I was oh. very lazy. Here is Vegas's betting odds, Aaron, to who will be Oregon's 
Next, head coach. Now we got Andy Avalos. You may remember him, uh, defensive yep. coordinator for the Holy Ducks. Shit, for a bit these there. are terrible, aren't they? But this is Vegas, my man. Uh, so Andy Avalos, very low on the totem pole here. He uh, coached for us for, you know, I believe two seasons. can barely remember. Went back over to Boise State. He was D.C. there before where he beat us. Uh, so he's there. Bill O'Brien, the O.C. at uh, Alabama. Um, Dave Aranda is Baylor's head coach here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he would be good. I would be very good to see Dave Aranda. I would actually freaking love that. You know, um, I was going to, we might as well just stop right there because that was the one I was going to go with. Really? Are you well, sure? Well, I have a very special tie to Baylor, which is that my fam, my dad's side of the family is all from Waco. And so I spent a lot of time oh. as a child at George's, okay, which is a very famous bar for the college students. But back in my day, when I was like six, and yeah. hanging out there. It was just a bunch of old cowboys smoking cigarettes, serving okay. breakfast all day long. Well, I mean, Aaron, you chose the one that I think I would be actually, I think I would be the most excited for. It, it's actually up there. It feels uh, right. It feels right. Dave Aranda Baylor was a great this. team this year, right? But yeah, Baylor's a very good team. Uh, he So he was a defensive coordinator at many stops. Uh, uh, like all his most impressive ones, uh, 2012 at Utah State, 2013 to 15, he was DC at Wisconsin, 2016 to 19 at LSU. Now that is during the national championship Wait, run. Wait, what there. years? Uh, 2016, 2019 LSU, and then 2020 to present Baylor. And he took a program that was really just no good uh, in a really bad spot. And he built it up and it looked freaking great. Yeah. Um, no, my grandma has been really excited about Baylor sports in general. Oh, this dude. Year, they beat, they year. just beat Oklahoma in the, yeah. uh, oh no, not Oklahoma. Sorry. Oklahoma state. Um, oh, okay. A huge game, man. Huge. Uh, great. He would well, be- that's who it is. It's a family tie, and therefore it must be so. Well, just for the listeners at home, I'll re- I'll finish this. Uh, we also got Matt Campbell, Iowa State's coach. He kicked our butts a little while ago. You remember last season's bowl game? Iowa State came. That was a good one. Chris Peterson. I love this one. Chris Peterson is the Huskies' ex-head coach. Remember, he just packed his bags up and just left. But before that, he was a legendary coach at um, uh, Boise State. Like, absolutely. Mm. And stuck there for a long time. The reason why he left the game, supposedly, is just because kind of like, uh, like uh, I, I believe, just kind of a mental health thing. Like, I, Wait, I don't think he left coaching. He left. Yeah, he left. He was just like, you know what? I'm kind of done. Like, that's wow. kind of what it was. And he just walked Good away for him. Me. From the Huskies, too. Quit the Huskies. I love it. He yeah, also has a him. history. Take the time that's responsible for yourself. That's good. Yeah, he's been on the Ducks coaching staff. I mean, so he has a history with us. Um, And then before that, we got a, I mean, yeah, like even higher percentage, supposedly. Brian Harson, who's Auburn's current head coach. I would not be happy with this hire. Uh, was Boise State's head coach. Justin Wilcox, super high up there. Um, Yeah, so... Cal's current head coach, obvious Oregon ties, would not be very stoked about that one. Kalani Sataki, BYU's current head coach, I'd be intrigued by that just because what he's done. And uh, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, no. returning. No, isn't that nuts? It's a terrible idea. He needs to retire and immediately. Uh, yeah. Oh my I mean, God! But what if he comes back because that's his plan? He's like, well, I came back to retire. Yeah. 
And so then we've just got a couple of dud seasons while he just like says goodbye to his fucking friend. Well, he ain't retiring. He ain't that old, my man. It would be crazy. What? Chip Kelly returning, I think, would not work, first of all. Uh, the college football landscape has changed so much. Right. Um, I don't think it would be the worst hire, but his lack of recruiting success, that it's that's a no-go for me. I have to look it up. It would be terrible. Chip Kelly um, age. 58. <laughs> He's only 58, dude. He's not retiring. Two more years retired. Oh, well. Comes here, has his swan song, retires. Well, my man, uh, any for, of oh, these, for me personally, it. It. Dave Aranda is the person that I would absolutely want. So you saying that, I don't think that's going to happen. And in fact, if I had to put my money, if I had to put my freaking money, and I'll make my pick here, I'm going with Justin Wilcox. Unfortunately, I actually do think... He will be the man. Okay. I, I think he wants the job really bad, is my guess. And uh, I think he's going to get it, unfortunately. Though, not uh, like John Gonzano said this. Chip Kelly. What's that? There's no wager at all? You mean you, me and you? Well, what do you want to wager, dude? Sorry, uh, for listeners at home, uh, uh, Hit the Day has, has mysteriously left, just as mysteriously as he came on. Uh, he's left this he call. We did introduce him. We did introduce him. Now he's gone. You can follow him at Hithliday, the number one on Twitter. Uh, he's gone. So we'll forever miss you. Um, but what do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? I mean, uh, it's weird because not what both of us could lose. You know what I mean? Right. And when do you think we'll find out the answer? Because that'll really predict. That'll help me shape what we're betting. When do we find the answer? <sighs> I don't know, dude. I hope soon. But there's no real before way. the new year. I would imagine very soon because just because the the way recruiting works nowadays, the early recruiting period, I would imagine sooner and later we're going to find out. Okay. So if whoever's right, whoever yeah, gets it, gets to be lead host. That no, just that's too much responsibility. I don't want it. Well, what's, let's think of a title and you get to be that title. President host. Um, yeah, it's got to be something for one episode. The other person uh, has to refer to the other one as chancellor. No, no. As as sure. um commissioner okay. commissioner of how about whoever wins gets to be the commissioner of the Quack Twelve podcast and that means that you get a ninety nine percent say on any major decisions and love income. it does that sound good sounds awesome that's the stakes my man but that's only if you get it right if you don't get it right then I don't know right and if neither of us get us right then we have to relinquish all power off to the listeners yeah and then that they become good. in charge of the show sounds good to me for one well episode. um. I don't know who who knows who Hitler Day would choose. I would actually Chris Peterson would be such a good freaking oh I would love it because the Huskies would hate it so goddamn much. <laughs> I would love it so much. How I don't long know. Has he been out of the game? Now? Only like only like uh, two seasons. Okay, so he's not no. Oh well, I mean, doesn't it make sense that maybe he walked away because of COVID? Um, I, it was before COVID, my man. It was before we even knew all that shit was coming. Oh, before our way. it even arrived. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Aaron, this has been a bummer of an episode. Uh, our <laughs> basketball teams kind of so many weird parts. Yeah. So many weird parts. Uh, we, we just kind of rambled. We didn't talk about the Pac-12 championship game basically at all, but I think that's the way most listeners want it. Well, you said uh, it was the mirror game. Hithloday brought up the things he wanted to bring up. And literally his one thing was the defense did their job pretty well. The offense did <laughs> not because Chris, because, uh, well, Moorhead had his bags already packed and Cristobal had his mental luggage already packed. 
my man whatever happens dangerous drug my friend whoever's our future head coach uh whatever the quack 12 podcast is forced to cover in the future i'm glad to be doing it with you we've gotten through another football season we're preparing for a bowl game which we're probably going to get our asses kicked but i hope we have fun i hope we have stuff that we can point fun of you know should we live stream we should do something we're Keep your eyes on. We're definitely doing some live stream. Maybe a tailgate party before, maybe after. Um, I'll tell you what we're also going to do. We're going to look for an Oklahoma uh, guest to talk about. We want to talk about the history between Oklahoma and Oregon. We want to do a deep dive of that. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. And we also want to do a deep dive of that mysterious 2006, maybe some kind of watch along. That would be fun. Maybe we'll do Mm -hmm. that. Who knows? I got Uh, a whole gaggle of dudes from Norman, my man. Totally. Plenty yeah. of stories they could tell you. Born and raised in Norman. No, you weren't. Oh, you got friends? No, not me. Oh, Tons of friends. It. So no, many well, of my buds down in Austin, they are, they're Norman kids. We're gonna. I'm going to find some Sooners expert. I don't know. They all are, I guess. All those Okies. It's a small town. Um, until then, listeners, we love you. At Quack 12 Podcast is where you can find us. Uh, we got a YouTube channel. Uh, at Quack 12 Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we got everything. We got a website. Once again, duct tape is where you can find our friend Hithliday's work. Um, I, who knows who he thinks is going to be. He he doesn't want Justin Wilcox. That's probably why he left. He probably saw that Justin Wilcox. And yeah, he hated the concept. <laughs> he was like, that was the last thing he said was like, oh, this is awful. And then he left. So yeah, that must have yeah. been it. Although um, I do believe I heard him eat a chip. And so maybe <laughs> he took a bite of his sandwich. And that's what actually was awful. I think he was like, you know what? Fuck this. I got to say and I don't blame them. Listeners, enjoy your sandwiches. We've officially burnt him. We'll see you next week in our bowl. What the fuck did I already call it? Bowl mania? Bowl nanza pick em challenge. Bowl manza. It's a bowl manza. It's a bowl mania and bonanza, the show combined. Okay, we'll all see you next week. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.